Welcome to Centre Church. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Good morning. It is a privilege to be together one more time. You know, after what we've gone through over the past uh, 18 months, we don't take it for granted every time we are here and we are worshipping. Uh, last week, Joe said, oh, how was church? I said it felt like corona never happened because, because there was that element of uh, freedom, you know, worship, hands up, everyone together, and it felt like church again. So we are grateful to God that we are here. Praise the Lord. Um, as Tyler has um, just said, we are looking at um, the book of Second Timothy, the letter of Second Timothy, chapter 1. That's where we are right now. Last week, um, Tyler started and he opened up the first few verses of Second Timothy chapter 1. And there are a few things that uh, were emphasized last week. Let me just sort my things here. Praise the Lord. Yes, um, the few things that um, uh, uh, Tyler emphasized was that there is something that was entrusted in us. God entrusted something in us. Uh, it could be a gift, it could be a talent, whatever it is that God entrusted. Then he said, uh, we are not to abandon that, but we are to fan it up, give it life, let it, uh, let it blossom. And then he says, and then step, step out. Was that the right word? Step up or step out. Which means when the fire is burning, don't quench the fire, but allow it to find expression and step out and allow God to use you to demonstrate his love, to demonstrate who he is and to represent what he represents. Praise the Lord. So today we are going, uh, I'm going to take it up from uh, verse from verse 8 all the way to verse 12. And what I intend to do, I intend to just walk through those verses, one verse, just explain the verses as we go, and then afterwards I will share probably two or three uh, things to take home, how that um, affects our life today. How do we use that in our everyday life today? And um, I want to uh, highlight this. Apostle Paul, he is the man who was a man full of fire. He was a man who would um, addressing the churches. One time he was addressing the church at Corinth. The other time it was the church at uh, Thessalonica. He says our preaching was not in mere words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of power. And I want us to realize the, the letter that we are looking at was written by that man who said my preaching, the preaching that he took to the people, and he is still preaching to us through his writing. And he said that preaching is not in mere words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of power. What does that mean? Every time I approach the writings of Paul, I expect God to demonstrate his power. I expect to, to see a move of God that is unusual, something that, is, that gives a wow to the people who do not know God. Praise the Lord. So every time I, don't, I want to fan up those words of Paul so that we see them active in our life. Praise the Lord. So I'm just going to go straight away and read. 
You see, I'm struggling with my eyes these days, so I have to print on big print, so I can't even read my Bible. I think I need to do something with my eyes. So I'm going to be reading from, uh, from this print here, um, but this, uh, this is from the New King James Version. Second Timothy chapter 1, I'm going to read verse 8 to verse 12. Uh, it says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings uh, for the gospel according to the power of God. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Jesus before time began. But has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I am appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher to the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know who I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him until the day. Praise the Lord. I think it's a wow kind of scripture when you read it. Because, yes, Apostle Paul was writing to a particular, uh, to a particular individual who was Timothy at that point, but it's also a message to us, the church, today. You see, um, he was writing this letter. He was in prison, in prison in Rome at that time. Death was looming, and he was feeling that he's not going to make it at this point. He knew that death was coming. So at this point, he is writing his last testimony, and he is, uh, he is uh, writing his will, should I say, his last will. And he wants to pass over to Timothy that which he has been doing. He has been preaching the gospel. He has been uh, raising leaders, training leaders. He has been planting churches. And he is seeing that death is near. I don't want to die carrying this because this needs to carry on. So he is writing this letter to his uh, a young leader, his la young mentee, and he is saying, uh, I want you to come over so that he hands over the work so that Timothy will be able to carry on with that work of preaching the gospel uh, and, and, and spreading the message. And Timothy, Timothy at this point is being told by Paul, a lot of people have, have abandoned me. He said, I want you to come because many are abandoning this message. Many are walking away from the gospel. So he says, uh, uh, later on, he would, uh, he would echo and says, uh, uh, no one stood with me. He said that later on, I think in chapter 4, verse 16. No one stood with me. And he says, uh, Alexander did harm to me. That would be verse 14 of chapter 4. He said, Alexander did harm to me. And he abandoned the message. He says, only Luke stood with me. So at this point, he really wanted Timothy to come 
so that there is somebody to stand with him and to pass that, uh, that message, that message on. He wanted that gospel to continue to go. I want us to realize he is writing this letter because everyone is moving away. People are abandoning the message. They are walking away. But Paul knows that gospel is the saving power of Jesus, and he does not want it to die in his hands. So when he is writing, he is inviting Paul, to, he is inviting Timothy to come and take and take this over. And that is how I have entitled the message this morning. Holding on when everyone is uh, giving up. Holding on when everyone is letting go. We could, we could see some themes running through. Uh, like uh, a call to courage. Or uh, instructions for perseverance. But I just felt holding on when others are letting go. Holding on to faith. Holding on to Jesus. Holding on to the gospel. And the message of the gospel. Because it is life giving. Praise the Lord. So straight into verse 8. In verse 8 he says, do not be ashamed. He is talking, Apostle Paul. Do not be ashamed, but suffer with me. That's what he says. Don't be ashamed, but suffer with me. There was enough to be ashamed of. Um, remember, this man who is writing is in prison. So he's being viewed by the rest of the people as a criminal, as a, as a prisoner. He is uh, preaching a message about a Messiah who was crucified, who died the death of a criminal, crucifixion. And so there was enough there to be ashamed of. And so, and so Paul says, do not be ashamed because the gospel is the power of God. People might look and say, what savior do you worship who was crucified, who died such an embarrassing death? They would say, how come you are being mentored by somebody who is in prison, in and out of prison, and you call him your mentor? There was enough to be embarrassed about. But he says, do not be, do not be embarrassed because, but share with me in the suffering. The second part, share with me in the suffering. You know, in every day we share in the suffering. The Bible says, cry, uh, cry with those who cry, celebrate with those who celebrate. So we share by praying with one another, holding each other hands, walking through difficult times with others. But what I love in verse the last part of that, that verse, it says, uh, it says uh, uh, in the sufferings to, by the power of God. Sufferings in the power of God. I want you to understand, when things are not going right, when you are in trouble, when you are unwell, when things look like they are scattered around you and everything is out of order, it's not evidence that God has abandoned you. No. It's not evidence that the power of God is not there. No. Apostle Paul is talking about suffering in the power of God. The power is present. The suffering might be going on. But here, one thing. Sometimes the power of God is not there just to fish you out of the problem. No, but to hold you, to strengthen you, and to walk you through the problems. And when people look, they say, wow, there is the power of God. So the suffering, it's, you know, sometimes people want to say, oh, what wrong did you do that things are going like this? No, 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 no. They are happening, but I'm in the power of God because he's holding me, he's walking with me, and he is sustaining me. Romans chapter 5 verse 3 to, um, to 5 says, we rejoice in tribulation. 
uh, it, it says, uh, we rejoice in tribulation, for we know that tribulation works out patience. Patience works perseverance. Perseverance, hope, and hope does not disappoint. Praise the Lord. So walking through difficult times, the power of God is there to sustain and to walk through with you. Praise the Lord. And then in verse 9, he says, God has called me. He said, God has saved us before time began. What a God. God saw you. He saw your circumstances. He saw your life before time began. And he chose to call you to be yours, to participate in his purposes and his plans through his grace. It says it's not anything that we have done. You see, one thing I want to emphasize, we don't find God. It's God who found us and he called us and our part is to respond to that call and say, yes, Lord, I am coming. Because by his love and grace, he just called us in our mess, it says, and our part is to respond and to say, uh, Lord, I'm coming. And then it says, before time began, there is a time when there was no time. But God existed in that time. Which tells me he's a sovereign God. He is not governed by time. His existence is not, his existence and his activities are not confined by the boundaries of time. He stands outside of time and he sees everything on one page. You see, for us, I can only see so much. But when God looks, he sees eternity in full before the beginning of time to the end of time. He sees everything on one page because he is God. So he knows your circumstances. He knows your situation. There is nothing thing that is a surprise to him. Time was given, created by God. Because God created everything. He existed out of, outside of time. And then he created time to help us manage our world today. To put a perspective and an understanding. Our minds are too, uh, our minds are not, uh, are not like the minds of God until we get to know him. And then he starts to help us to understand. So we could not be able to manage things around us without time. It's by grace that God gave us time to manage things around us. But time does not restrict, nor does it um, restrain God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. In verse 10, he says, uh, uh, in, in verse 10, he says, but now, he says, but now this has been revealed. That's the purpose and the plans of God that he, that he is talking about, that he established before the foundation of time. He said, now they have been, uh, uh, they have been revealed by the appearing of Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought light to, and brought li life and mortality to light. He brought some things that were hidden so we understand them. When we start to look, when we start, when we look in the Old Testament, you see that in the Old Testament there was no clarity when it comes to what happens when I die. So there was a lot of jitteriness. There was a lot of instability. It says here, yeah, the appearance of Jesus, he brought the purposes of God and made them known unto us. And one of the things he made known, he brought to light is the understanding that eternal life, uh, eternal life means when a Christian dies, it's not the end of anything, but it's a transition into a different life. 
praise the Lord. So because of the power, because of the resurrection of Christ, death does not do anything to the believer. Because uh, we transition from one glory to the next. Apostle Paul would say elsewhere, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He is like, uh, whether I die, Oh, I have even gained. If I live, I've got to live for the purposes of God. And that is what made him strong when he was in prison. Nothing could move him. You know, what do you do with a man who says, if you kill me, that's me. I have won. I have gained. But if you leave me alone, I'm going to continue to preach the gospel. Praise the Lord. What a powerful approach to life. To realize that the troubles of this life, they are too small and too, lim and, and too limited. They cannot, they cannot destroy us. They cannot do any harm to us. Because if, life, if this life ends, I enter a life where I, I pronounce I have gained. So this, this verse says, uh, Christ brought to light. He brought that to light. We became aware. We became aware that death does not destroy us. We celebrate in life. But if I die, you celebrate my life because I have won. Praise God. And the other thing that verse 10 puts to, uh, puts to light is, um, is that it, it says, uh, the purposes of God, they existed before the foundation of the earth. Before the beginning of time, rather. They continued with the appearance of Jesus Christ. They came to us when we responded to the call. So unless we respond to the call of God, we stay outside of the purposes of God. We stay outside of the eternal life that make us say, even if I die, I lose nothing. We have got to respond to the call of Jesus. And it says here, it came to us when he called us by his grace. I don't know where you stand but if you are somebody who is thinking, who is searching, there is eternal life in Christ. And his call has been before the beginning of time. And probably the, today is the time. Remember, we have got time confinements. God is not confined by time, but we do. There is a time when we cannot come back to Christ. There is time when we cannot ex accept him because we'll be out of time. But this is the time to embrace this that he has given by his grace. And then it says it continues as we live our holy life. So the purposes of God, they were there before the beginning of time. They were brought to light with the coming of Christ. They came to us as we responded to the call. And they continue as we live our life as a holy life given to God. As we live for God, as we fan up the gifts of God and step out boldly and do what God has called us, empowered us, and sent us to do for his glory. That is how it carries on. And it will manifest fully in immortality. Because we saw it when Jesus resurrected, he abolished death and we became conquerors. Praise the Lord. So he abolished death through his resurrection. Rejecting him is rejecting life. And so his message to us is uh, respond to that call, live that holy life, and enjoy the eternal, eternal life that God gives. Verse 11 says, I am a preacher. I am a preacher, which means he carries the message. And he says, uh, and an apostle, which is the authority by which he brings the word, as a sent one, sent by God himself. Praise God. And one thing that I love here, he writes it, he says, I am a preacher. 
Some versions would say, I, uh, um, uh, I, I was called a preacher. But some versions would say, I am a preacher and an apostle. He is sitting in prison. But he realizes that though I am in prison, he doesn't talk in past tense like I was a preacher or I was an apostle. I am in prison, but I am still a preacher. I am still an apostle. So when, 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 when the Roman government is trying to torture him, it does not change who he is. You know what, children of God, it doesn't matter what problems we walk through, what things and what, what, what circumstances we suffer, it does not change who we are in the Lord. We are children of God. We walk in power. We walk in authority. The power of God is at work in our lives regardless of the circumstances that surrounds us. Praise the Lord. What an empowering, what a sobering thought. What I am going through does not change. I remember my, apostle, apostle is, I remain a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the gospel, regardless. Praise the Lord. So his, his, his confidence was in knowing that what Rome is doing to him, putting him in prison, confining him in, in prison, was temporary. But what the gospel brings is, is, is eternal. Where is Rome today? Rome rose, it was like, a, a, it was known powerful across the world. But today what we know about Rome is now history. The, all that power that we used to know, it's not there anymore. But what has happened to the gospel, it's like a blazing fire across the world. And that is what Apostle Paul saw. He says, they might confine me in prison, but I remain an apostle and an, a, a preacher. Nothing restricts and nothing slows me down. Praise the Lord. You see, salvation in Christ should be the motivation of our life. The salvation that we have in Christ should be the motivation the motivating factor to keep living, to keep uh, stepping out and declaring the love of God, knowing that in Christ I am saved. When I am not well, I am motivated by the salvation I have in Christ and knowing that the power of God is at work. Nothing slows me down. Nothing discourages me. And I keep holding on, even if people are letting go, because I have confidence what the world gives, what uh, problems and suffering that this world that this world brings they are temporary but what god gives is eternal praise the lord a motivation to keep holding on when others are letting go and finally in verse 4 in, in the last verse which is verse 12 he says that is why i'm suffering all this i am suffering because i'm standing for the gospel and shaken and moved and shifted i am focused on Christ and to, to let others know the power that is in Christ. He says, I stand firmly in the truth and nothing shakes me. And so he says, for this reason, I suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. There is enough to be ashamed of. He could have just abandoned the preaching thing. He could have just abandoned all this Jesus thing and he will be out of prison. But he said, you know what, I'm not going to abandon that because what I'm holding on for is greater and I am not ashamed of what I am doing. You know, there are times, uh, I remember somebody once said to me, oh, you know what, wish you are such an intelligent girl. It's a shame that you believe these things. Talking <laughs> and, uh, you know, and in my heart, I, I didn't say much back, but in my heart I said, Nevertheless, I am not ashamed 
Because I know the gospel is a saving power. It is saving power of Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. You see, Jesus is the source of life. You may be forgotten by everyone, rejected by many, written off by a lot of people, can be viewed like a loser, especially when you are sitting in prison like, like Paul, declaring Jesus is Lord, but the eyes of the people look at him, they think he is a loser because that is what people understand. But nevertheless, he says, I am not ashamed. There is power when we hold on and we hold on to Christ. Praise the Lord. Paul had confidence. He had confidence in the Lord regardless of what was going on around him. Let me ask you, people of God, what fears, what fears are you carrying around? What worries are wearing you down? Run to Jesus. Apostle Paul says, uh, him whom I, in whom I have entrusted my life in him, I am confident and I am persuaded that he is able. So I have taken my life and everything that concerns me, I've given it to him. And I am confident that he's able to keep it. He's able to keep my life. I might look like I'm perishing. I might look like life is waking me, waking me out, waking me down, whatever. I might look like I'm being destroyed, but guess what? I am confident. He said, I am persuaded that he is able. So things might look, might look wrong. Things might not look right. Things might seem like they are not going the way I want them to go. But guess what? I am persuaded that he is able. He is able to keep my life. He is able to keep everything that concerns me. You look sometimes at things around you. It could be your education, how things are going. You might be looking at your relationships. You are looking at your children. You are thinking, what I am seeing is not what I have prayed for. It's not what I want to see. But you know what? I am persuaded that he is able. What a comforting knowledge. I am persuaded he is able. Praise the Lord. And I want us to understand, we are partakers. Partakers of what Apostle Paul was preaching. So no matter what we are going through, it could be facing opposition. It could be abandonment by somebody that you love. It could be ill health. It could be relational problems. Whatever it is, we can hold on to Jesus and he is able. He continues to demonstrate his power regardless of what the world would say. Sometimes it looks like things are not moving at the speed that we want them to move. When Paul was sitting in prison looking like a loser, People thought, what a stupid man. But like I said, guess what the gospel has done? Across the world, like a blazing fire, time redeems. Hang on to Jesus and see him redeeming you in the fullness of time. And the big question is, it is difficult. How do I hold on? How do I hold on to the faith? How do I persevere? How do I hold on to the truth? How do I fortify my faith? Apostle Paul gave us a few things. Right there in verse 12. He says, number one, don't be ashamed. You know, as long as you are not ashamed of the gospel, whatever people think and say about what is happening around you, you stand unashamed when the world itself is 
viewing the worship of God as a waste of time. When others are moving away, you keep holding on unashamed because you are confident in what he is doing. Do you know that it can look like a shame when you are, when you are living right in a world where everyone thinks that you can go around um, uh, doing whatever you want. When, the, when you stand for the truth, in a, in a society or in a world that is exalting lies above the truth. You look like a rebellious person, but I am not ashamed. I still stand for that which is right. When the world, when the world is, uh, uh, is talking down about the Christian faith, when people are saying, see, the churches are being closed, everything is closing down, do you know what? I am not ashamed because time redeems Things. So when we are living where people are so self-centered, people cannot understand, uh, he cannot understand the teachings of Jesus when he talks about loving your enemies, when he talks about uh, serving one another. In a world where people are so self-centered, driven by selfishness, personal desires, driven by personal uh, pleasures, and when people look at you doing otherwise, it looks like it's an embarrassing thing. But he says, don't be ashamed. That's how to keep holding. Don't be ashamed of the truth. Don't be ashamed of the teachings of Christ. Don't be ashamed to live in line with what Christ Jesus teaches. You see, he provides us guidelines in his word. How to build functional relationships. How to live in peace. How to live with one another in, uh, in peace and in oneness and in, in fellowship. And when people are moving away from that, he says, don't be ashamed. Hold on. So he says, number one, don't be ashamed. The second thing he says uh, is, uh, and, and I know whom I have believed. We have got to know whom we have believed. It's one thing, the starting point to run to Jesus. And now we are in the Lord and we are saved. But it's another thing to know him and to know his ways. So it's knowing him and knowing his ways. You see, as when we become a believer, becoming a believer we don't, we, we don't contribute. He called us. We don't contribute to that. It's purely free, 100%, nothing of our works. But when it comes to victory in certain areas of our lives, it demands us cooperating with the word of God for us to enjoy those victories. Praise God. Because the word of God provides guides on living in peace, in one accord, building functional families. How do you do those things? The word of God provides the guidelines. But when we stay outside of the word of God, sometimes we walk as losers, yet we have got victory when we come and connect with the word of God. The Bible says the truth shall set you free. The truth that you know will set you free. The truth that you practice will set you free. It's one thing to know the truth, but to live by that truth is what liberates you. It's what gives you victory. The enemy capitalizes on our ignorance. He attacks us in areas of our ignorance. If you don't know what the Lord says, the enemy threatens you, he frustrates you, he torments you, he puts you in a corner. You live under oppression of demonic power. What why? Because of lack of knowledge. Knowledge is power. Praise the Lord. But now, you know, I, I, I love David. I'm running out of time. I'll be off in a minute. Uh, I, lo <laughs> I love uh, King David. King, you know, 
I'm talking about the enemy attacks you in your area of ignorance. We hear, read the story of David and Goliath. We know that Israel for 40 days was tormented left, right, and center by the giant Goliath. He stood out and he went, Ooh, and the whole of Israel will be running to hide everyone in the hiding. They forgot the God who had saved them. It was until little David stepped into the scene, the one who knew whom he has believed and he stepped in that place people feared for his life people feared for David but David was experiencing a moment which I call the I know whom I have believed moment. Nothing intimidates you when you are in that slot. Nothing pushes you down. Nothing, nothing makes you nervous, but you step up boldly. The Bible says David just stepped into the scene and silenced a problem that he had gone for 40 days with the armies failing to do what, to know what to do. But somebody who, who stepped out and says, I know whom I have believed. Let me say to you, people of God, once we become children of God, it should be our mission to seek to know God and to know his ways and to draw up from his ways and his teaching to build our lives, to fortify our faith, to strengthen everything that we do. Because when we do that, we will hold on when others are letting go because nothing threatens us. The third thing he said, I am persuaded. In other words, I have confidence. I am persuaded that he is able. In other words, I trust him. Do you know one thing that keeps us off our that keeps us off balance is failing to trust God. When things seem like they are going wrong, I have been praying. Lord, I've been fasting. Things are not going. I've been fasting for 40 days. But remember, God lives outside of time. He is not governed by time. It's us who counts three days, five days, seven days. God is God and he sees everything just on one page. So no matter how long it has taken, continue to trust God. And when you trust him, time will redeem. People say the poor is rotting in prison. But guess what? Rome went down and the gospel that he was preaching was like a blaze across the world and is still sustaining us to this day. Praise the Lord. He says, do not, do not be, I, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am also persuaded that he is able. He is able. I don't know what you are going through. I don't know the things that are going on in your life. But don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't say, I have heard, you know where I come from when there's a funeral? People really cry. And they don't just cry silently. They will be talking and talking. Oh, Lord, why have you abandoned me? Lord, you have ashamed me. Those kinds of cry. And those kinds of cry will just make you see that, no, God has not abandoned you. You know, this is temporary. We are transitioning into something, into something that is great. Apostle Paul says, to live. I live for Christ, and I preach Christ, and I celebrate Christ. Even through sufferings, I continue to celebrate Christ, because that's the, re the reason I live. And then somebody says to him, you know they are going to chop your head. And he says to live is gain, to die is gain. What do you do with such a man? Unmovable and shaken. And I want to challenge you, people of God. Let's take that stance of Apostle Paul. Nothing can move me. Nothing can shake me, because... I have trusted God. And the good thing is we don't do it in our own power. When Jesus was going back 
to, 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 to when he ascended back into heaven. He says, I'm leaving you with the Holy Spirit. He will guide you in all truth. He will teach you. He will direct you. Let me challenge you, people of God. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit is the greatest way of knowing the ways of God. Reading the word of God on your own. Reading the word of, discussing the word of God corporately. Reading the word of God as a family. But inviting the Holy Spirit to interpret, to teach, to direct, and to show us the way. Praise the Lord. I pray that in the week that is coming, the Spirit of God will just steer some new things, some boldness to rise up inside of us, that our circumstances won't restrict us anymore, but we rise to the top because we know the power of God is manifest even in the midst of our problems. Praise the Lord. Thank you for watching this week's message. For any more information or to find out more of what we do as a church, you can contact us at info at or check out our website at www.centre-church.uk.